And uh, I'll try and remember to hang them up after church. I've got a couple of flyers for a couple of plays that are coming up. Um, Miss Morgan is uh, working tech for a show at TBA Theater called The Burning. It's um, the classic tale of good versus evil, which is uh, a story I love because good always wins, right always prevails. And uh, I'm also acting in that show, and so I hope that you'll come out and see it. And there's another one that's uh, for families and all ages and all that kind of stuff. And I just want to say, in connection with this idea that we're talking about, um, that for me has been an area of outreach to go out into the theater community and to make friends and to build relationships. And I appreciate your uh, freedom to allow me to do that. But you also need to know that that has tangibly resulted in people coming not only to Christ Community Church, but people coming to Christ because of that effort. Now, that's not to pump me up. That's to say to you, what are you doing? Take active steps to reach into the community around you, however that may be. Whatever avenue you may have, take active steps to reach into the community and build relationships with people who need to to draw close to Christ, who need to meet Christ for the first time who need to give their lives over to commitment and dedication to the Lord. Um, What are you doing to advance that cause in your life? It doesn't have to be great, grand, and wonderful, and flashy. It just should be intentional. Because you have friends who might uh, have needed to be here today to hear what Jesus has to say today about a very difficult topic, and that's divorce. And so I want to just dive into Scripture and hopefully give you some good words and some encouragement. All right? Matthew chapter 5, verse 31 and 32. Uh, We all know the statistics of our society that that we live in, American society, about uh, just how common uh, divorce is. It's not, it's not news to us, just about any of us, in any arena in which we exist, whether it's at work, um, if we're a teacher at school, we're a, a classmate at school, uh, wherever you might be in your life, we know that in many, many cases, up to 50% of the people that we're hanging out with having, have experienced the, the, the grief and the heartache of divorce, either as uh, a married person or the children of those who have gone through divorce, it's not something that's uncommon to us. It's not something that's unfamiliar. But in some ways, it has become something that's commonplace. And that's unfortunate. Um, I remember uh, years ago, uh, Reverend Billy Graham's wife, Ruth, Belgram was asked uh, if she had ever considered divorce from Dr. Billy Graham. And she said, oh, no, never divorce. Murder? Yes. (laughs) Divorce? No. And it was that attitude of, you know, uh, divorce is not really an option in her mind. And that's a great attitude to approach our relationships with The fact of the matter is sometimes even that becomes too much of a weight to carry under certain circumstances. And so I'm going to share with you this passage and another that comes along in Matthew again when uh, the Pharisees kind of wanted to pin Jesus down. 
And these words are difficult. They're difficult to put into the, the perspective of our modern circumstance, and I want to help you with that because there is, in fact, help to understand what Jesus is saying here and to understand where you may be or your friends may be in their lives today in relationship to biblical relationships. All right, so Matthew chapter 5, verse 31, 32. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Ugh. That doesn't sound very good, does it? Let's flip over to Matthew chapter 19, because he says much the same thing, but he actually expounds on it a little bit. Matthew chapter 19, verse 3, says, And the Pharisees came to him and tested him. Now, this happened on a number of different occasions. They would would manufacture an an event. Remember, these are the guys who are like, they know the law, backwards, forwards, inside out, up and down, every which way you can possibly think of. These guys know the law. And they would find themselves on occasion testing Jesus either with a scenario like this, or they would actually manufacture an event and see how Jesus would respond, for instance, like the woman caught in the act of adultery, and they drag her before Jesus, but they don't bring the man who, in the eyes of the law, is equally as guilty as she is, and they expect Jesus to say, well, let's uphold the law and stone her to death, but he takes, of course, like Jesus usually does, a completely different course of action, all right? So Matthew chapter 19, verse 3, And Pharisees came up to him and tested him by asking, Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? Now the reason there's this phrase in there, for any cause, and it's echoed in the Sermon on the Mount, it's just that the people Jesus was talking to, they, they totally understood this already, so he didn't need to elaborate on it when he was speaking in Matthew chapter 5. You'll find similar passages in the other Gospels that revolve around this same event, and every one of them speaks to the same circumstance. All right? Every one of them speaks to the same circumstance. So they're not talking about different areas of of this topic. It, It is right down the line, the law at the time. The reason they ask this question this way is there were basically three schools of thought at the time. And you should know that in first... In the first century uh, life here, divorce and remarriage was very common, perhaps even more common than it is for us today, because there weren't nearly as many legal requirements or legal uh, hurdles to jump to achieve the objective. One school of thought was that there was no cause for divorce except adultery. Another was, there was uh, absolute cause for uh, a divorce if you fell out of love with your spouse. You no longer had romantic feelings towards your spouse. Um, I'm glad I'm not in that boat, because I know there's been times when Karen's looking at me like, dude, get away from me. Right? Right. Amen. (laughs) 
I don't want to see your face. I don't want to hear your voice. I don't want to smell you. Go in the other room, right? Relationships based on feelings are usually not a very good idea. And there was even a third category that basically said it didn't matter what the reason was. If you were just dissatisfied with your spouse, you could write them a note of divorce and you were done. Literally, at the time, that group had written up basically a, a, a doctrine of interpretation of the law that actually spelled out that divorce was legal and in their eyes then moral if your wife had prepared a dish for dinner that you did not care for. Now, how many would be out of luck on that one? Now, don't raise your hands, men. <laughs> right? But that's how it was. And so that's why they ask this, re- this question, is it lawful for any cause? They want Jesus to land on one of these ideas. One of these ideas. And so he, he answers and says, verse 4, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh, and what therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. And they said to him, why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away? And he said to them, because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. They're still hard words. They're very hard words. One of the things that we have to understand about these passages, and again, if you go over, I think it's to Mark and find this, this same exchange rendered by Mark's account, you'll find that, that Mark records it as Jesus doesn't just apply this to a man divorcing his wife, but he applies it to a woman divorcing her husband as well. He says these same words. So it's not like this is just a, a male-oriented topic here, even in Scripture, even though primarily, predominantly in the culture, it would be a man putting his wife away. Let's go back to the story of, of Joseph and Mary, right? They're betrothed, they're engaged, they're, they're intended to be married, and then Mary shows up pregnant. And what does Joseph say in his heart, in his mind? He says, I'm going to put her away privately. That means he was going to write her a writ of divorce. We're not going to get married and put her away privately. That's the same thing that we're talking about here. And in that case, if Joseph had not heard from the angel and believed the angel in the eyes of the law, he would have been correct because Mary being pregnant would have been evidence of some type of other relationship, right? So... One of the things that we have to understand about this passage and the other passages that Jesus is, is talking about this subject, and something that we try to teach you to do here and uh, is really critically important, there are some passages of Scripture that you really must put under the lens of the cultural context of the day. 
or you're really going to make a mistake in, understand what the te- in understanding what the teachings are that we need to pull out of here for today. And it's this. While it was possible for a woman to give her husband a writ of divorce, it pretty much never happened that way. Because in this time and in this place and in this economy, a woman without a husband was in trouble. Women would do everything that they could to maintain and retain that uh, relationship because there weren't a lot of great options for them if they didn't have a husband, and particularly if they were divorced. They were damaged goods. They were less than the less. There are some ways in which that persists today. Uh, Certainly, even in the early history of America, part of this play deals with the Puritans. Um, if If you were a divorced woman, you only had a couple of options to make money. Right? Sell yourself or find a trade or a business that you could support somehow and hopefully people would would patronize you and not cast you out. The lens that we need to see this through in these words that Jesus is teaching about this topic excludes something that happens in modern society that, that, for the most part, never happened in this time. There was no such thing in this time in the law as a mutual separation. That is a modern construct. It was not something that was ever even really considered. It was something that one person did to the other, and then the one who, who was, was left out, the one who was put away, had to deal with those consequences. And if we go all the way back to Jesus mentions Moses, right? But he, he gave permission to the people to give a writ of divorce. Why did he do that? He did that because the law was such that if, if a woman was put away, she was in that circumstance of being less than valuable. She was an outcast. But if she could produce a writ of divorce that even included, I mean, it was, it was spelled down to the letter, that I am giving this writ of divorce for this reason, and my ex-wife, my spouse, is free and clear to marry another. With that in hand, she might be able to find another husband and not be an outcast. Now, if we go back to the passages of Scripture just before this where we talked about murder, and lust, and how to treat one another, Jesus' words fall right into line with this. He says, there is no moral ground, he says, for you to put away your wife or husband except for infidelity. That one is basically, you know, no harm, no foul kind of thing. You're you're given a pass for that. In a moral sense. He says, but legally to protect those whose spouse would just cast them to the side, who would throw them out like garbage, legally 
Moses allowed you to have this piece of paper that at least in some way tried to salvage their reputation enough that they could continue to live in their society. So those are the circumstances that Jesus talks about every time he speaks about divorce in Scripture. Whoever puts away their spouse. Now, I said that this doesn't address a modern construct of mutual divorce, of mutual separation. I think we can find instruction for this in a passage of Scripture that we used last week in the book of Romans. I want to go back to that. Romans chapter 13, verses 8 through 10. Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Now, what law are we talking about? Do you remember? Love the Lord your God. Love your neighbor with all your heart, all your, you know, all that stuff. So, love each other, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are subbed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. All right? Uh, Dallas Willard, that we mention here often because he's such a great thinker, uh, says this about this topic, and I agree. The basis for divorce among disciples is, price is precisely the same as the basis for marriage. Where it is the case that the persons involved in a marriage would be substantially better off in love if the marriage were dissolved, the law of love dictates that a divorce might occur. If indeed the divorce is realized as a consequence of the law of love, the evil which is present in most divorces will not be present. And indeed, very few divorces will actually occur. The disciple will make sure of his or her obedience to the law of love in any divorce by making God their lawyer and judge through prayer. So what does that mean? What is the, the principle, the premise for separation among those who call themselves followers of Christ. And it's this. If in your union, whatever, and guys, this, this applies beyond marriage. Every relationship that you have, if your relationship cannot embody the law of love, you have two options. Get before God and allow yourself and the other person that you're in a relationship with to be recreated, redirected, reformed into people who can fulfill and do fulfill the law of love. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
Either make the choice, make the decision, and take the steps to get to that place where you exhibit and show both grace and forgiveness towards one another and you live it out to one another by no longer breaking those vows, by no longer uh, causing the hurt, by no longer treating someone as less than God would have you treat them. That's your first decision. You have to get to that place. If you or one of you cannot or will not get to that place, in order to obey the law of love, you may need to separate. Now, how do you know that's the case? How, how can you judge that? Because we don't want to be, we don't want to say, well, I guess I'm off the hook then because, uh, you know, so-and-so's a jerk and that's never going to happen. I'm off the hook. How do you know? I'll give you at least three possibilities. And I've used these with folks for many years uh, in dealing with very, you know, these very difficult circumstances. And it's not easy, guys. Uh, it's not easy. But I don't think God has left us without knowledge. And I, I think that's why this passage is so important and so critical to understand. So, how can I know if a relationship is a potential for me to no longer be a part of. If staying together harms the cause of Christ and the image of Christ, you may want to consider whether you should stay together. If staying together harms you or the other person, and that cannot be changed. You may want to consider not staying together. I think it was my dad who told me uh, years ago having a conflict with someone who uh, was angry with him because he had counseled a woman who was being beaten by her husband that she should leave that guy because you're not supposed to get divorced. Is that fulfilling the law of love? I don't think so. Does it have to be physical abuse? I don't think so. Do you, man or woman, child of God, deserve to be treated like a, a piece of garbage in any way, shape, or form by someone else who's supposed to be devoted to you? No, you don't. And if they're willing to be unregenerated, if they're unwilling to, to seek change, if they're unwilling to pursue being recreated, if you're unwilling, why should the other person be bound to that? Because you're not upholding your part of the vow. These are hard words, right? I hear you. So if your relationship causes harm to the cause of Christ, if your relationship is causing harm to one another and that cannot be resolved, and if your relationship together is causing harm to children that you have in your care, you may want to think about your relationship. I have on one occasion 
given counsel to a couple that I really thought they should get a divorce because they were ruining their children. And I still think it was the right advice to give. Now, is that ideal? No. Every kid, every husband, every wife, every believer should have the confidence and faith that they can grow up and live in a, in a home that exemplifies the qualities of Christ and gives them the example that they need and husbands and wives can love each other thoroughly and deeply and never make mistakes and never cross boundaries and, and never break anyone's heart. That's what should happen. But it often doesn't. The key for us the critical point for us as believers as we face these things, and there are folks here that, that have been through the ringer uh, recently. Um, guys, it's all around us. It's not, it's not hidden somewhere, right? It's in your life. But the key for us is if we can return to Christ... If we can go to those that we have harmed and say, I need your forgiveness, and if they're willing to extend it, if we're the ones who've been wronged and someone comes before us and says, I need your forgiveness and I'm willing to prove it by the way I live and by the way I treat you and the way that I act, then there's every hope that we as believers don't have to be stuck in the throes of disaster. But instead, we can see, like the song says that we love to sing, we can see that God can make beautiful things out of the dust, out of the ashes of whatever's been left behind. But we have to come back to it with this principle. That's where everybody in the, in the, in the scenario has to begin, is with the law of love. If that can be the guiding principle, and if that can be borne out over time, and that can be proved uh, by actions and behavior, then maybe, maybe you won't end up in divorce. And then lastly this morning, what if I'm in already an unbiblical circumstance? There might be some here that are wrestling with that. I would say this to you. Uh, one of the things that we've, we don't understand about forgiveness or about grace sometimes is that grace is about more than forgiveness. Now, we talk about grace a lot in terms of forgiveness. God's grace towards us, the very first thing I tend to go to in my thinking is that means God has forgiven me, and he has, and he's forgiven you. Everything you've ever done, everything you're going to do, if you've submitted yourself to Christ, his forgiveness is sufficient for all of that. But sometimes, sometimes you're just in a circumstance that either wasn't your creating or at the time that you created it, you really didn't know what you were creating because you didn't have the knowledge of that. Are you out of luck? Are you out of God's grace? No. Grace is not only about forgiveness, but grace is also about kindness and mercy. 
if you're already in an unbiblical circumstance, here's what I say to you. Seek God's kindness and mercy. And then carry on. Carry on. Seek forgiveness. Seek mercy. Seek direction. And then let God move you forward. Would you stand for closing prayer? I know there are just, gosh, there's a number of folks here today who are wrestling with just difficult circumstances. Some not even living with family because things have been so broken. Uh, Those that are working with uh, kids who've had lives just turned upside down by uh, circumstances that we can't even imagine in their homes. Um, Those who have felt abandoned, those who are seeking wisdom about what to do in their own lives. I want you to know that God desires to be with you in those times. But you have to allow him to do that. And you say, well, how do, how do, I, how do I accomplish that? I think you first, you go back to the basics of don't let yourself be so busy that you have no opportunity for God to speak to you. Set aside time, specific time to sit down and turn the thoughts of your mind and the intentions of your heart towards God with the desire to hear him. Seek out your your Bible. Uh, We have access to the greatest wealth of information on uh, planet Earth ever through the Internet. You don't have to just open your Bible and randomly pick a passage and say, well, I hope this helps. You can go online and type in some of the topics that you would like to research and look for good resources, and there will be resources there to direct you to passages of Scripture and to books that can be very helpful to you. So be proactive in that way. Spend time with others who love Jesus and will love you too because that is the experience of the law of love. Love the Lord your God. Love your neighbor as yourself. Sometimes our effort in fulfilling the law of love is to allow ourselves to be loved when we need to be loved. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause the light of his face to shine upon you. Lord, I pray that I've, I've muddled through this difficult topic this morning in a way that's helpful to some. Lord, make up for my failings where they are. 
Lord, teach, teach us, each one of us, teach us in all of our relationships how to live, to embody, to embrace, to exude the law of love for one another and for you. And may it radically transform the areas of our lives in which we need it. In Jesus' name, amen.